Hello and welcome to the Bible with Megan podcast. My name is Megan and here I talk about the Bible. There are two types of episode in this podcast. The first is where I look at wider themes about the Bible, within the Bible, questions about how we should study the Bible and how it relates to our world. The second type of episode are just Bible studies and each week I'll go chronologically through a book of the Bible. The Bible is such a beautiful book and such an incredible gift that we have been given by God and I just hope that in this podcast you will learn to love studying it even more and that it will strengthen your faith. So let's get on with today's episode. Hello, it's October. I can't believe it's October already. Here we are. Um, my cat is also here, Ember, my co-host. So if you hear rustling, that's because I have all my books and notes out in front of me and uh, she's decided that is the best place to sit. But um, we love her, so it's fine. Thanks, by the way, if you've been listening live as these episodes come out. I haven't been around for September. Um, everything's good. We had a friend's wedding, went on holiday. We were doing some work on our business, um, which is all really good. And it means that now, now we've made some changes to our business, I have more time for Bible with Megan resources. I'm really excited about that. And thanks for your patience. Um, I have a plan and we are going to finish the Revelation series by Christmas. So stick with me in that. I've also got some other things up my sleeve, other resources that are going to be coming out soon, which I'm really excited about. Um, so yeah, let's let's dive in. So last time we were in chapter 7 and we were looking at the 144,000 and we got to the end of that bit um, and we're now we are in the kind of second half of that chapter where it talks about a great multitude and in that section it has the phrase great tribulation and at the end of the last episode I just said oh we'll think about that next time and that's what we're going to do today. The phrase great tribulation is often used in videos and stuff about the end times and often it's called the great tribulation. Uh, so I just wanted to do a word study on it really and just see what the bible actually says about this, what great tribulation is. Um, there's a lot of kind of preconceptions that people bring to this phrase when they read it, um, that they've perhaps been taught or have heard about. And yeah, I just want to go back to square one and let's just do a word study on great tribulation. And that's all that this episode is going to be. And hopefully it actually will be a example of how to do a word study in general. So if you ever want to do this on any kind of word or phrase in the Bible, um, hopefully this will equip you. Sorry, my cat's still here. <laughs> but hopefully this will equip you to do that. This is literally what I did on the phrase Great Tribulation. Here is a word study on it. Let's just see where it comes up in scripture. Um, and then from there, we can think about our interpretation. So if you want to do a word study, the first thing you need is a concordance. Um, you can get one in book form. I have one in, in book form. You can also get them online, which is a great thing about the internet now, is you don't have to spend money buying a big expensive concordance book. Although I got mine for 20p because it was in my old university clearance section in the library and they used to sell off all their old books very cheap. So mine was a bargain but <laughs> brand new, they can be quite expensive. Um, but you can get them online. If you head to Blue Letter Bible, the website, um, there's concordance tools built into that. So you can type in a verse, the verse will come up, you click on tools um, and there's an interlinear 
um, shows you all the different Greek words, and a concordance. So a concordance works a little bit like a dictionary or a thesaurus. You, if you've got a book form, um, you just look up a word, um, and underneath that word is a list of every verse in the Bible that has that word in it. So it just helps you to see where a particular word or theme reoccurs. So if you're wanting to do a study on a theme, if you read something, so like, oh, what's that? The easiest way to find the biblical context for it and see where else it comes up in the kind of wider Bible narratives is to use a concordance. They're really, really helpful tools. Um, so, so helpful. Today, we're going to do a word study on tribulation. Okay, so if you look up tribulation in the concordance, you get a list of verses that tribulation appears in. Um, interestingly, the phrase great tribulation is only in three of these verses. Um, one is in Matthew 24, and then the other two are in Revelation. This one we're looking at in chapter 7, and then also in chapter 2, which is in one of the letters to the churches. So let's just go through um, those verses where the word tribulation appears. In the Old Testament, there's three verses that the word tribulation, and the exact word, obviously the only thing with concordance is you don't get the things which kind of allude to it. It is only the exact word. But... Um, three verses in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 4 verse 30, Judges 10 verse 14, and 1 Samuel 26 verse 24. Um, Deuteronomy 4 verse 30, that is about how if you are obedient to God, he delivers you from tribulation. And then the other two verses in the Old Testament are similar in theme. It's about how God is the only one who can deliver you out of tribulation, not other gods. Um, and in 1 Samuel it says to, to set your eyes on God and uh, that will help you be delivered from tribulation so that's the kind of Old Testament usage of the word um, not loads to go off but enough for us to understand how tribulation and God interact God is the one who delivers people from tribulation that's what we understand from the Old Testament usage of the word in these verses the rest of the uses of the word tribulation are in the New Testament so when we read that, um, we just have to remember, okay, New Testament, New Covenant, new framework for how things work, because Jesus has entered the picture. Uh, obviously, in the Gospels, this is Jesus teaching before his death and resurrection. But in the cases after that, this is in the church, in Christianity, um, where people have been renewed by the Holy Spirit, a living um, free. So the first occurrence of the word tribulation in the New Testament is in Matthew 18, which is the parable of the sower. And it's used in reference to the seed that is sown and then um, can't withstand tribulation and so falls away. That's the usage of it there. So in that context, tribulation is things that come against a Christian in their faith. Um, and it's something that they either endure or they don't. And if they don't endure, they fall away. That's the kind of way it's being used in that sentence, which kind of links into what we read about Revelation about patient endurance, doesn't it? About the one who overcomes, um, who continues in faith, even through tribulation. So that's tribulation, the first occurrence in the New Testament. The next occurrence is in Matthew 24. This is the Olivet Discourse, that's what it's called, um, by scholars, I guess, people who lived after Jesus called it that. 
And this is where Jesus is talking about the temple. It's quite often read as an end time passage. He does speak about his return uh, and other things to do with the end times in this section. And here is where we have the first time that the phrase great tribulation is used. It's in Matthew 24 verse 21. And in this section, Jesus is specifically talking about the destruction of the temple. And there is day of the Lord imagery in this section. I talked about that a few episodes ago, I think. So I won't go back into detail over what that is. Um, so some people read this as being about the end times and about Jesus's second coming um, when he's going to return to earth to judge um, on the day of the Lord. And uh, other people read this as a prediction of the temple being destroyed in 70 AD. Um, and some people think that this passage is kind of talking about both things. Um, and I think that that's probably accurate. I think there's a section where this is talking about the temple being destroyed in 70 AD, which is after Jesus was alive. Um, and he's kind of prophesying that. But also I think he's talking about his return too. I think it kind of merges merges those things together i don't want to go too much into that because that's a whole study for another time um so perhaps we'll do an episode on matthew 24 at some point but that's where we see great tribulation come again and interestingly it's not the great tribulation it's just great tribulation um and i looked at the greek this i have very minimal greek um but i know enough to be able to use a kind of look at the greek text and use some some help helpful resources with it to understand what's going on a bit and that is the case it's it's not a I'm not talking about a designated period so much as in great is just being used as an adjective here it's just talking about tribulation that it's particularly great great as in like bad not great as in fantastic i think that's fairly obvious though, by the fact it's talking about tribulation so that's an observation from looking at that phrase um in context of that other verse that we see it in. The next time we see it is in Mark 13, it's the word tribulation, and it's kind of another account of the same thing that's in Matthew 24. Uh, so it's again, it is linked with the second coming. It does seem that before Jesus' second coming, there is going to be increased tribulation. It's going to be tribulation that is heavier than perhaps it was before. But again, it's not giving a defined time period um, or sort of calendar date in these passages. And these passages are the only place that we see the phrase Great Tribulation appear other than in Revelation. The next set of times that the word tribulation appears in the New Testament, and this is just tribulation, not Great Tribulation, are being used in the context of sufferings that christians face the first one of these is in john and this is jesus speaking it's in john 16 verse 33 and it's it's jesus saying how he has overcome the world do you know don't, don't worry about tribulations i have overcome the world he's equipping his followers with that truth um in order to be able to endure through tribulation knowing that that jesus has overcome um, and then we see this again in the letters in the New Testament. Um, in Romans 12, 12, we are told as Christians to be patient in tribulation. In 2 Corinthians 1, 4, we're told about 
how God comforts those who are going through tribulation. In 2 Corinthians 7, 4, um, it says how Paul is, is joyful in tribulation. How he takes joy in it. And then there's also other passages in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 4, 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 6. Kind of about the same effect. And then we see it as well at the beginning of Revelation. In Revelation 1, verse 9, John says he is the reader's partner in tribulation. He's, he's his partner in tribulation. He's going through it with them. And then it's also in Revelation 2, uh, verse 9 and 2, verse 10. And that is in Jesus's message to the church in Smyrna, um, which I did a whole episode on, if you want to go back and listen to that. Um, but it's just saying, again, it's saying there's going to be tribulation, that they are being persecuted, they will be persecuted, they're going to have tribulation, but Jesus is going to sustain them in that if they continue to be faithful and have patient endurance. And this is where we see a slight shift in how the way God and tribulation relate um, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's telling us that God saves people from tribulation. In the New Testament, that's also true. But the thing is, he doesn't pull people out of it. He equips people to live through it. The church in the New Testament experience tribulation. It's not something that kind of, that they've got a force field against because they're in Christ. Uh, it's something that's very much part of their lives. But as Paul says, here's joy in it because the way that God saves from tribulation um, is that he transforms people from the inside. So he gives them the ability to to have his joy and his peace in the midst of it. And knowing that their battle isn't against people, but, but it's against the powers and principalities, um, they can walk through this tribulation knowing that actually they're bringing something of the kingdom of God into times of trouble. And when they are persecuted for it, they see that as joy, as something that's confirming that actually, yeah, they're, they're bringing light into darkness. They're bringing truth in the midst of lies. And that's why there's that response and that tribulation. Um, so there's a slight difference there. God does save from tribulation, but he doesn't pull us out not to experience it. He gives us the armour of God so we can walk through it and bring his kingdom into the midst of a dark and fallen world in which we do have trials. And it's so beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just going to read John 16, verse 33. This is Jesus. I've said these things to you, that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for that truth, Jesus. Oh, so good. So um, we're up to speed then. We're pretty much at the passage that we were looking at now in our little word study of tribulation and where they come, where it, where it appears in the Bible. So the next times we see it, um, well, here, here's the last time we have the phrase tribulation and great tribulation here. The other time great tribulation comes up, by the way, is in Revelation 2, verse 22. Um, let's just double check where that is the same kind of area that we just looked at in the message to, to Smyrna isn't it is it the message to Smyrna or is it a different church it's a different church it is to the church in Thyatira and it's talking about that person who he calls um Jezebel who is leading the church astray and and it says that that he will throw her into great tribulation and those who follow her 
unless they repent. So again, it's not the great tribulation there. It's just talking about extreme tribulation for those who follow false prophets and false teachers. Um, so it could be talking about that increased tribulation that's going to come just before Jesus comes back. Uh, that makes sense. The people who are following those who aren't Jesus and who are twisting God's word will experience that extreme tribulation and it seems like from that context that they're not you know they're not equipped to deal with it so it's going to be particularly extreme you know these people listen to false teachings so they don't have that true armor of god that we just talked about so when they walk into great tribulation they're going to be destroyed by it because they're not equipped um because they're not really following christ however that is a different story for the people it's talking about in chapter 7 here. So let's just read this little section now, knowing what we now know about how tribulation, um, how the word tribulation is used in the Bible. So this is chapter 7 verse 9 to the end. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might be to our God for ever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these? clothed in white robes and from where have they come and I said to him sir you know and he said to me these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation they have washed their robes and have made them white in the blood of the lamb therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst no more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So here, the phrase great tribulation does have a thee before it. This is specifying a specific tribulation, a specific great tribulation. And um, these people are coming out of it, and they're coming out of it praising God. And this, these are the people of God. This is kind of what I talked about last time we touched on this, this great multitude. So those who are following Jesus, they are coming out of the great tribulation. And it's implied that this is at the kind of end times, because it's all the people of God so like everything must have happened before that for all the people to be there and from what we've read about tribulation here Jesus seems to say that there is a time of increased tribulation um, before he returns and so these people are the ones who have come through it this is perhaps one of the big passages that is against the idea of a rapture um, because in the idea of a rapture people are taken away before the great tribulation in the way that's understood um and here it's saying they're coming out of it and 
From hearing what we know about tribulation elsewhere in the New Testament, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? The fact that God equips his people to go through tribulation. And even this final increased season of tribulation, his followers are coming through and out of. Um, so that's kind of, that's a word study that we just did on tribulation, specifically looking at great tribulation. And um, hopefully, hopefully that just kind of shows how you can get context for something from the Bible itself. You don't have to have loads of other commentaries and, and things like this. And although those are helpful as well, you can do this. And I think quite often this is the best place to start in trying to understand what a phrase means. Just seeing, just tracking it through the narrative of scripture and seeing how the idea um, evolves and how, how it connects to the story of God and how he interacts with people and his plans for them and the renewal of all things. Now, you might have a question, depending on what your kind of theology of the end times is or what, what kind of stream of church you come from and what you've been taught previously. And that question might be, well, doing that word study doesn't give us a specific dated time for the Great Tribulation and, and I've been taught that there is a specific dated time for the Great Tribulation. Uh, specifically if you're from that kind of dispensational um, background and, and you think there is a rapture and there will be this this um, specific dated period of Great Tribulation. <laughs> it's really hard to say after you try and say it so many times. Um, if you want to learn about dispensationalism and the difference between that and something called, oh, I guess, R.A. Millennialism, I suppose. Um, myself and my husband Zion did a podcast on it a little while ago in response to the conflict in Israel, and we were talking about that. And um, you can go back and listen to that. I think it might be helpful in terms of answering this question and the way people interpret um, and kind of the preconceptions they're bringing to reach that interpretation so I'm going to point you to that after this if you haven't listened to that because it might help a little but the reason people find a dated time for the great tribulation is because they read Daniel 9 Daniel chapter 9 which is a prophecy and they believe that prophecy is about the end times and specifically this great tribulation that comes at the end of all things and there are um, time periods given in that prophecy um, that people take to be about, basically, if you read it as an end time prophecy, people then transfer those kind of dates and times given to the Great Tribulation, so they'll say um, exactly kind of, this is the exact thing about what it is. However, not everyone reads it like that, other people will read it as a prophecy about the destruction of the temple, which happens in 70 AD. Um, and other people kind of see the numbers in this passage a bit like other numbers used in the Bible that are more theological in meaning than they are literal. And so that it's kind of about making a point about the fullness of all things and and stuff like this. And, and when God's judgment is going to come and, and, and tied in with like jubilee times and all this kind of thing. It's a, it's a huge one. Doing something on Daniel 9 again will be massive. And I think what I might do after we finish this series in Revelation, um, next sort of probably January time, is do a couple episodes on Matthew 24 and Daniel 9, um, Daniel 7 probably, 
and just talk about how they link in with revelation or, or how people think they link in with revelation because a lot of people's theology about revelation isn't necessarily just revelation it's kind of a pick and mix copy and paste sticky note maze of um different passages in the bible so in this bible study i want to be going through revelation and looking at what that actually says before we reach those sorts of interpretations i'm going to finish this series doing an episode on different interpretations um and going into more depth on them but really what i want to be doing is just a bible study because as i've said so many times in this series i want you to understand the text um and really be familiar with the text and know it well before you jump into interpretations of the whole book and linking it to other places in the bible um and so i'm not going to go into massive detail on daniel 9 but that is why people date the great tribulation as being a very specific time and they might say a rapture happens before or after or whatever if you do want to learn more about that i will link some things in the description for you um a couple articles and, and videos and things so you can look into it some more uh but i i will cover it in the future but today i just wanted to show you how to do a word study and um just to see how that phrase tribulation is used in great tribulation is used in the new testament um because that's really helpful for me because I want to be trying to understand the way that John is using it when he writes it you know I think that's a big thing we need to do how's John using this not not how is a 21st century um person in in the western world (laughs) with a particular theology using this how what does John mean when he's writing this down when he's trying to articulate what he saw in his vision what does he mean by that phrase so I hope today helped you with that question and like I said, I'll link in the description some more resources if you have more questions, which I'm sure many of you will. But thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to be back. I've loved this. And I'll see you next week where we will be continuing this Revelation series that we will get done by Christmas. I promise. <laughs> see you then, guys. So I really look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode.